Welcome to Supply Chain Now, the voice of global supply chain. Supply Chain Now focuses on the best in the business for our worldwide audience, the people, the technologies, the best practices, and today's critical issues, the challenges and opportunities. Stay tuned to hear from those making global business happen right here on Supply Chain Now. Hey, good morning. Scott Luton, Greg White with you here on Supply Chain Now. Welcome to today's live stream. Greg, how you doing? I'm doing very well, Scott. How are you doing? Doing wonderful. We're, I think we've got an incredible, intriguing, informative, and fun conversation teed up here today. And we're not going to waste much time. Yeah, you're yeah. counting with me. If you're counting with me at home, those are four words that I rarely get right if I say them in order in, in the same sentence. So but today we nailed good. it. Um, Greg, on today's show, we're going to be talking about how and why your technologies are still failing you. So for so many in global business and especially supply chain, that seems to be the ongoing case. Is that right, Greg? Especially in supply chain. And the biggest reason is that a, a lot of technology that has evolved into supply chain didn't start as supply chain. ERPs are not supply chain solutions. They're finance solutions with an, a, a supply chain module. And sometimes they start as a very tight, uh, tightly defined module. Anyway, these ERP systems, first of all, they're miles wide nowadays and an inch deep in so many areas, except for finance, which is what they were built for. Right. They were built decades and decades and decades ago. Some of the most popular ones still have code snippets from the 60s, <laughs> 1960s and 70s. And they're just not built for the robust data that exists out there today. They can't they can't store it. They can't process it. They certainly can't create it. And, and you know, one of the other main flaws is because they were built so long ago, they were built to be customizable. You get a little nugget of a solution and then a, techno or a technology or a, a consulting firm has to build tens of millions of dollars worth of functionality around that. And, what, and that prices out a lot of companies. And the advent of even just packaged software, but now cloud technology gives you the power, the data processing, and, the, and configurability that is equal to customizability, but it's also very, very supportable. And that is kind of where things are going. Well, hell, it's where things have been going for <laughs> decades, right? Um, but that is why so many companies are, if not abandoning their technology, you talked about this today, Scott, on LinkedIn. If they're not abandoning their technology, they're layering these new technologies on top of the old, right? To, to so that they don't have these 40, 50, 200 million dollar implementation bills, but they start to create that specialization in some of those areas like supply chain and specific areas of supply chain that really require it. Yes. And uh, they don't lose all the time that comes with these implementations oftentimes. So people, people, you name right. it. I mean, uh, and we're going to get into some of this here today with by folks that have been there and done that as Melissa Dietz and Christine Barnhart with Verison yeah. joining us in just a second. Right, Greg? A little more than a second. A little more than a second. All right. Well, hey, with that said, though, we want to hear from you. We want to hear from what you're all thinking as we navigate this conversation. I promise you. Uh, Christine is a repeat guest. We enjoy our conversations here. Yeah. Melissa, it'll be the first time she's joining us, but hey, her reputation precedes her. We were talking about yeah. that in the pre-show. So stay tuned and get your voice and your POV ready. Now, a Greg. Supply chain practitioner who went to the tech side, that is incredibly valuable when you're either choosing or implementing or deploying uh, technology. That knowledge is critical. Wonder, does that come with a lightsaber? 
If you move over to the tech side. I bet. <laughs> I, I know M Melissa a little bit. I bet she has one. <laughs> we'll dive into that topic maybe Definitely in a future a episode. <laughs> <laughs> Let's say hello to a few folks across the global uh, SCN fam, wherever you are. Uh, Dr. Rhonda is back with us. Of course, we know she's in the Phoenix area. Love her content. Love her passion and her kindred spirit. So, Rhonda, hope this finds you well. Um, Kanchan, Kanchan uh, tuned in from India via LinkedIn. Great to have you here today. If I get your name wrong, please let me know. So important to get folks' name wrong and um, name right, rather, Greg. Both are important, up. Scott. One's just not <laughs> desirable. Right. right. <laughs> well, regardless, welcome to the conversation and looking forward to your perspective here today. Get this picture that Catherine paints. And Catherine, of course, big thanks to you and Amanda and Chantel and the production team. Catherine says, Good morning from the sunny North Georgia mountains. I wanted to join in on that weather updates today, Greg. Right. I expect we'll be getting some shortly. If, Absolutely. If not already, right? Yeah. So it's sunny and maybe not too humid or, or hot up there. What's it like down in Hilton Head, Greg? Uh, it is sunny and toasty in Hilton Head. I haven't looked at the temperature, but I can tell you that it was actually pleasant to drink a cup of coffee early really? this morning. Yeah. It is 137 degrees here in the Atlanta area. Is it so, really? And it's still only 1204 <laughs> noon. Um, Christian is tuned in via LinkedIn from the Democrat, uh, Democratic Republic of Congo. So welcome, yeah. Christian. Hope this finds you well. Sylvia Judy's back with us. Uh, the supply chain uh, super ambassador of the Charleston, uh, South Carolina area. Right. Uh, she says, good afternoon, y'all. Power just came back on. Thank Ugh. the Lord for AC. I love that. I bet it's toasty in Charleston as well. Right. <laughs> just a little bit, right? Yeah. Uh, let's see here. Ira Binda. Uh, I think I got close there. Welcome. Welcome good. from Bangladesh uh, via LinkedIn. Look forward to your perspectives here today. Rowit is back with us. Uh, from India, from uh, DHL in India uh, via LinkedIn. Great to see you here, Rowett. Uh, Natalie Christian's back. Great to see you, Natalie. Letty Barrett. Letty, your ears may have been burning earlier, right, Greg? It was all good, Letty. That's all I can say. It was all good. <laughs> and finally, we know we can't hit everybody this morning, but Dr. Rhonda is giving us a weather update. Sunny and expected to go up to 107 in, yeah. Air, in Phoenix, Arizona. How about that, Greg? Yeah, you have to do anything physical in Phoenix except get in the pool uh, before 6 a.m. <laughs> and then it's only fit for pools at that point. Oh, Even man. the pools have sunshades in Phoenix, just to give you an idea. we got to work out a live stream application, a floating studio, as it were, for uh, swimming pools. We'll work on that later on. Um, all right. Oh, I so, like that idea, really. Isn't like that a that. neat idea? Maybe even yeah. a few adult beverages. Because uh, today is you know National Moonshine Day, but hey, we, we may touch on that a little later on. Um, okay, so Greg, with no further ado, we got a jam-packed conversation here today with our friends from Verison. Let's bring in Christine Barnhart, Vice President of Product Strategy and Go-To Market, and Melissa Dietz, Head of Customer Success, both with Verison. Christine, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. How about you? Doing wonderful. And Melissa, welcome, welcome. Huh? Thank you. Good to be here. I do, in fact, have a lightsaber. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, I made that transition in 2018 and nobody gave me a lightsaber. So I feel like I'm missing out. Well, you know, no no one gave Darth Vader a lightsaber either. Uh, so you already came, I think, with a utility belt and plenty of ammunition. So are you, are uh, you saying she's Darth Vader? I don't, that's not what he's saying, Christine. No, all in good fun. All in good fun. We, I could have made the same joke with Luke Skywalker or uh, who, who's the guy that rescued? I thought somebody did give them lightsabers. 
Uh, maybe so. Who knows? Uh, my son knows more about Star Wars than I do these days. <laughs> Good point. Um, yeah. Well, Christine and Melissa, all kidding aside. <laughs> great to have you here. Uh, well, Christine, you know we love on our repeat guests, so great to have you back. Enjoyed rubbing elbows with you down in Orlando uh, at a conference down there. And Melissa, welcome in. I know we've got, we might have a cake later for you celebrating a really cool anniversary today. But Christine, Let's start with you for some of the handful of folks. We'll call them, let's say seven people that may have missed your last appearance. <laughs> Tell us a little about yourself and give us a fun fact that maybe some folks may not know about Christine Barnhart. Sure. So um, I am located in Evansville, Indiana. I affectionately call it Heavensville. <laughs> um, so uh, right where Indiana, Illinois, Kentucky come together, really cut my teeth in manufacturing and engineering kind of here locally, was really lucky, spent 12 years with Whirlpool Corporation, about six with Mee Johnson Nutrition, which is where I discovered supply chain, which, um, you know, Mee Johnson in the news right now because they make infant formula, um, and then three years with uh, Berry Global. So before I left and I did join the dark side, if you will, <laughs> in technology with Infor, um, so I think Melissa and I have that in common, the, the Coke companies, if you will, in our in our background. Um, so I love supply chain. Um, in terms of a fun fact, um, we moved from the suburbs to downtown about a year ago. And now I'm like integrated in the community. I love it. And I am participating with my tribe Saturday as like marshals or leaders of a pride parade. And I just bought my free mom hug. Um, shirt to wear for Saturday. So like, I'm pretty stoked about this. I'll send pictures. Please, please do. do. Yeah. Uh, please do, Christine. That is awesome. Uh, and, you know, I think what when I heard you say t the t going on to the tech side, I think my brain went to where how Tony Schroeder always talks about the reverse side as being the dark side. So that's why maybe Sith was involved in that comparison. I'm going to go with that. Oh, got it. But but Christine, great to have you back and looking forward to getting more of your uh, insights here today. Um, all right. So, Melissa, uh, let's get to know you a little bit better, including a little fun fact about Melissa. All right. Thank you, Scott. Yeah. So, M Melissa Dietz, um, professionally, I would say I spent most of my career in large companies. So, think about Exxon, GE, and then, as Christine alluded to, several years in uh, Georgia Pacific and Invista with Coke. And I've managed, I think, to touch just about every point in the supply chain. So, I started my career as the production process engineer. Then went on to uh, lead North American logistics and warehousing, have done long-term planning, short-term planning, uh, strategic sourcing, and ended it all as uh, leading a business for GP recycling. So, Wow. I, I don't know if I got everything, but I feel like I'm serious, <laughs> right? So. <laughs> no wonder you already had your lightsaber. Melissa, uh, <laughs> so give us a fun, tell us, give me, give me a fun fact about Melissa Dietz. You know, I'm going to I'm going to go with the theme of moonshine, which is not, uh, you know, sadly, not my jam, although I am native to, uh, to the south now in Atlanta. But uh, my favorite is uh, Uncle Nearest Whiskey is what I've discovered. Oh, yeah. I absolutely adore it. Yeah. Awesome. Well, hey, Greg, I've got to give a quick plug to our friends, uh, Tommy, Fred and them at Granddaddy Mims, which is a, 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 a growing business based right here in Georgia. And they make excellent product. We may have sampled a little bit over the weekend, but um, well, well, that. only in the spirit of verification. <laughs> Scott. Melissa and I want to know how to get on this invite. Okay. I know, right? I feel like you need more help. Hey, we're going to take 15 a... flavors, Christine. So you've really got to commit. 
committed. All right, we're taking a bus up uh, to the North Georgia mountains. Uh, maybe we'll grab Catherine too. But in the meantime, let me say, let me share a couple quick comments, and then Greg, I'm gonna throw it over to you. Uh, let's see here. Uh, Sanchit is with us from India. Great to have you, Sanchit. Looking forward to your perspective. Uh, Joseph's tuned in via LinkedIn. Y'all, let me know where uh, you are tuned in from. We'd love to connect the dots. Rowett says. In India, the maximum temperature goes to 40 or 45, probably Celsius, I imagine. Yep. So he doesn't know how you guys live in the temperatures we were just talking about. <laughs> uh, Gene Pledger is back, the pride of North Alabama. Great to see you, Gene. Um, and let's see here. One more. Sylvia gave a shout out to Firefly Moonshine, which is uh, the, the distillery is right there in North Charleston. Oh, finally. Hey, y'all have got some backup. Uh, in um, uh, Stomp Rockets, Crawford Stomp Rockets McCarty. Uh, Crawford, great, <laughs> <laughs> great to have you here. And Letty says on cue, how long do you think until Crawford McCarty mentions Stomp Rockets? So <laughs> love it. Love it. Okay. So, Greg, we got we to get to some, serious, some, some heavier lifting. But, hey, uh, yeah. these two are doing some really cool things in supply chain. Where are we starting with Christina? Well, Wilson? I would say that the current state of supply chain would drive a lot of people to drink, probably has. <laughs> um, and, and I'm curious because you all have both both been on the practitioner side and now the solution side. I'm curious what you're seeing there over the last year or two, especially Melissa, last year. We're going to let people know what that is all about. <laughs> Dates and years. We're going to give it away slowly. Uh, so, Melissa or Christine, why don't you uh, why don't you share with us kind of what you've seen over the last year or so? Yeah, I mean, I think what we're really seeing is that the disconnection and the number of disparate systems has really only grown with most companies. Um, and I don't think that trend is reversing. And even the, the big ERPs, if you will, um, are now starting to really embrace micro applications and broader partner strategies, um, which on the surface kind of makes it worse because you have more things going on, more systems. I think beyond that, we've seen that M&A has really recovered to pre-pandemic levels. And again, at least in the short term, what that generally means is more systems, more tools, more processes for people to try to manage. Um, and these things are rarely connected. And so I think, you know, one of the things that's just naturally happening is that people are having to manually move data. And, and even if they have a robust integration strategy, the data they have is dirty and they're kind of drowning in it, right? So that's where I always like to say, like, we didn't build data lakes, we built data swamps, right? Like, um, we have a lot of data, um, but we don't really know what to do with it. And, and so that hasn't, man, that hasn't changed in the last three years, which I think is, um, you know, kind of, kind of depressing, actually. Mm. Well, and it, as you said, it's got actually gotten worse. Every time one company rolls another into their ecosystem, like you say, they wind up with an additional ERP or supply chain solution or data methodology. They, they wind up with what could be the very same items, but identified unidentifiably to, to <laughs> yeah. right? Yeah. So that it's hard to determine that, hey, we already have that stuff. We don't need more of it. So there, there are all kinds of those things. And you're right. M&A is, is recovering, and especially considering valuations in the market today of companies, we can expect that to accelerate, which exactly. will only exacerbate the problem, right? Yeah. Melissa, tell us what you're yep. seeing. 
Yeah, I'm going to take it from, I think Christina outlined it really well from the macro level. I'll take it maybe down to the, the micro level at the sites. I think the challenge you have, not only do you have systems that don't talk to one another, but when you go under the covers, the data is not always the same or similar, right? Even if I have the same ERP, it, it will be, it can be very different where sites will use columns or, or uh, fields for something completely different than what they're meant for, which means when you try to aggregate it, you get a really incomplete picture and inaccurate picture, right? And it's really hard to get that overall view of what, how do I wrap my hands around what I'm trying to look at because my data itself isn't good. Mm. Yeah, and and it, it becomes an indiscernible mess, right? I mean, the, they call it a bucket, you call it a pail, right? And you, you mentioned the data doesn't talk to one another. A lot of times those sites, because they come from different companies, they don't talk to one another. They don't really have the opportunity to to collaborate, to bring this solution, uh, you know, bring any kind of solutions to bear. So I'm curious what you're seeing, Melissa, with companies that are actually tackling this successfully. What do you, I mean, what kind of uh, solutions are they coming up with? Or Well, it, it's interesting, Scott, because I'm sure we've all lived that, um, that ability where, you know, you try to aggregate something and you go and say, hey, I have this really cool insight. And somebody goes, well, no, not really, because I think it's not quite right. But what ends up happening or what I've seen a lot is people will go to good old Excel, right? So nine times out of 10, is how are you tackling your, your, uh, your challenge? Because I have, I have systems in place, but they either don't work well or they're really cumbersome and hard to navigate. So I go to my, my best friend, Excel. And I would say largely that's what people are doing. Um, another yeah. thing I've seen is folks trying to do their their own AI or create their own programs, which um, you know had a couple in GP uh, where we did that, um, and they have challenges as well. I think when you try to do that from scratch. Hey, really so, quick, Greg, really yeah. quick. The, is it just me, or should be there? Should there be like a Scooby Doo and the gang meme where they catch the uh, the supervillain at the end? They take their mask off, and it's an Excel spreadsheet. No kidding. <laughs> So let's get to work on that. But Greg, as you were going to say. Yeah, usually usually hitting, hidden in a dark corner or jumping out at you from a dark corner, right? right. I mean, I don't know yeah. if anyone's ever ever been or ever uh, encountered one of those supply chain or one of those uh, Excel data wizards, but it's frightening stuff. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Christine, tell, tell us a little bit about what you're seeing from the challenges and possibly even how they're tackling it. Yeah, I mean, I think the one of the other key things we're really seeing is that, you know, there's just a shortage of like the right people. And and I know we've had some headlines recently where some of like startups and some of the bigger, um, you know, companies have, have done some right sizing, I, I'm going to say, in terms of layoffs. But overall, there's still a shortage of people, right. especially in supply chain. And so um, and and quite frankly, a lot of the seasoned supply chain people, the people that know, right, they can take a spreadsheet, they can actually get an insight out of it, they're retiring at a mm. record pace. And so I think, you know, what we're what we're now starting to see is companies kind of scrambling a bit and really like trying to figure out, okay, how do I address this, right? Like mm. um, these people, they're not coming back. And um, the shortage of people is only going to get worse as we move forward. I think the upside to that is that, you know, when I was coming up in manufacturing and supply chain and you said AI or automation, it was like, oh, robots are going to replace us. And I think, you know, everybody was kind of scared of the technology. And I think now we are seeing a bit of a shift in mindset where people are like, yeah, make my job easier. Help me do more 
with with less people and um and and so i think from my standpoint that's like actually a really exciting trend so yeah. we're going to we're going to talk more about uh, sorry didn't mean to cut you off unless i'm going to share okay. a couple quick comments but we're going to talk more about uh maybe some of the suggestions you'll have for moving forward but i want to make sure we get to the root cause of why so much of this stuff is not working and it's failing these organizations but before i throw that back i want to uh, share a couple quick comments jesse says hey Y'all should plan the Dawsonville Mountain Moonshine Festival in October. Jesse, it's a done deal. We're going to tee up the supply chain now van. We're going to add benches in there and have the whole gang, uh, just like the Scooby <laughs> Scooby Doo uh, gang. Uh, let's see here, Joseph. First we got to drop it and put new wheels on it, Scott. <laughs> right. Yeah. Joseph's ready to uh, compare notes with you there, uh, Greg and Hilton Head. So we'll see if we can't make that happen. Yeah, no uh, doubt. Rhonda's talking about we adapt. Row it. We adapt with time, coping skills, and maybe adult beverages when it comes to dealing with these, the this all the heat. Now, Shimon goes back to something both Christine and Melissa, maybe Greg, all three of y'all are talking to. Shimon says, cannot agree more. We're struggling to get started on a strategic network project with a client, which is growing rapidly and are constantly acquiring newer partners. Mm-hmm. Our challenge is the varied system and formats and aggregation, as Melissa mentioned a moment ago. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see here. A couple of comments. T squared says, looks like master data management and silo siloization. Try to say that five times fast are the endemic issues here. And of course, disparate systems not being properly integrated. Uh, and then one final note here, um, well, T squared says, Shimon, you nailed it. Um, Jesse also says change management from Excel is amazing in its longevity. Excellent point there. I hope he means out of Excel. I'm sure yes. he does. Right? Yes. Excel is the most widely used planning and analysis yes. tool in the mm-hmm. world. Yes. It's crazy. You can Save make themselves. <laughs> there's yeah. macros that make sandwiches, that tie shoes, that answer the, be- the doorbell for you these days. Uh, all powered by Excel. But let's let's if we can. Both Christine and Melissa, y'all were talking a moment ago about you know why some of these things are failing. I'll give y'all one final word before we get into some of y'all's suggestions. So um, let's see here. Let's go to you first, Christine. Tell us why are these things not working, what you're seeing being done? You know, I'm going to be honest. I think that just part of the problem is just the approach is wrong. We're trying to solve these problems in really traditional ways, which are like, these projects and projects have a beginning and they have an end. And to be honest, what we need are like living, breathing ecosystems and tools that Mm. learn and grow and adapt. Right. Um, I think, you know, that what we, one of the things we saw in like the uh, 22 predictions from Gartner was they said that like 92 of supply chain, 92% of supply chain executives recognized how important it was to adopt these emerging technologies and these new business models, but they were still relying on old technology and old techniques like spreadsheets and kind of these basic ERPs. And it it just does not yield the results that you need. Excellent point, Christine. And, and, Mm. And we're maybe taking a step further. It also could be contributing to the um, the heightened turnover we're seeing in supply chains. Many organizations have reported on, and you know you don't want to burn your people out. You want to love on them and give them what they need, empower them. Exactly. Melissa, exactly. what else would you add to why this stuff's not working? Yeah, I have a little bit nerdier answer, if you will. But you know, in my mind, the uh, what we're trying to do is we're, 
We're trying to take linear solutions to a nonlinear problem, right? So when I think about Excel, what does Excel do really well? It solves a heck out of linear problems. And I, you know, I was thinking of one where we had an Excel spreadsheet. The, the long story short, it was to do asset planning at one of our sites. And we had to, we had maxed out the capability of solver. We actually had to run it twice. And it would always, because we maxed it out, it would always break kind of halfway through. So ultimately it took like three days to run this guy every month to do our asset planning. It just, it's, we're trying to make, you know, equipment or, or tools do what they're really not designed to do anymore. Right. And, there, and then I think the other thing that we touched on earlier is that change management piece as the, the native knowledge of people's heads as it leaves, there's no, I mean, Excel, certainly does what it does, but it, there's no change management piece with that. And it's just, it's really complicated. And, and I think that's another way that we're failing. And same actually with the, with the large systems, as, as Greg alluded to before, we're trying to make them do what they're not designed to do. And it, mm. it ends up being expensive. It takes a lot of time. It takes a lot of manpower. And it end up just frustrating people at the end of the day. Excellent point. And I got to bring yeah. in these. Sylvia says ERP endless redundancies <laughs> platform. That's a great acronym there. Uh, Jesse says, excellent point, Melissa, on that linear versus nonlinear. Uh, and then Natalie, living ecosystems. Love it. Supply yeah. chain tech needs to be adaptive for whatever situation is in front of us. Greg, your quick response. And then we're going to we're going to continue picking Christine and Melissa's mind here. Yeah. To Christine's point there, you're, you're not going to cease companies continuing to evolve. So the knowledge in your technology has to continue to evolve. And to Melissa's point, it can't in Excel <laughs> and it can't in a lot of these old technologies, right? I mean, one of the biggest issues with Excel is lack of data accountability, um, manual errors in calculations and, and all of those sorts of things. And then um, inconsistency, or frankly, in a lot of cases, it's a relative amateur put in charge of a scientific project. And, mm. um, and that creates a lot of dangers and misnomers. We replaced a system that when we started my technology company, we replaced a system that took 70 people and 16 weeks to, to down to just a handful of people in a day wow. to do the same mm. work and, yeah. and produce better accountable adjustable results. Wow. So, I mean, the power is definitely there in technology. But that, that shortens all the time. You know, you, know, you go from having uh, probably good food and great wine, uh, I don't know, uh, 37 nights to just one, Greg. Come on, man. It, it saves a lot of shoe soles, though, Scott. We had this thing <laughs> we called sneaker net where people would have to run back and forth to one another's pods to, oh, you know, love it. to compare yeah. data. Oh, right. the stories, Greg. I can't wait. Uh, you got you to write a book. Okay. So let's shift gears a bit. We've kind of we've kind of uh, waddled 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 uh, uh, in the mud a bit. Uh, I'm just gonna skip right over that. We're yep. talking about the data swamp. Waited, maybe waited. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. What, I like waddling what through mud. It's yeah, so thank you for rescuing me. And we've talked about the data swamp. We've talked about maybe about the uh, tie fighters that are buried in the data swamp. Let's shift gears over to what some of the things that companies and leaders should be doing. Yeah. And uh, Melissa, what would be some of your recommendations? I'll start with you. Yeah, for me, I think as we, as you think about what you want to do going forward, it's looking for applications that really target what you're trying to solve, right? So again, the kind of counter to the one size fits all, let's look for 
an application that's really targeted to your pain point and that's it's out of the box, right? So what I'm in my head, what I'm thinking is, hey, look, if I have something that does what I want it to do, I can get it up and running quickly. That's going to add more value much more quickly than if I have to go and, and customize something and, and build it from scratch and hire consultants and do everything you need to do. Mm. Excellent point mm -hmm. there, Melissa. Christine, what, what else would you add when it comes to recommendations? Yeah, I'm going to actually give what Melissa just described a term, and we're going to call that purpose-built. You really need to look for purpose-built technology, purpose-built solutions. And that's where I think the phrase kind of micro apps comes in, right? So it's looking for the micro app um, that where the company, your partner really understands the challenge, the business problem you're trying to solve. And then those partners bring with them kind of a broad range of capabilities. You don't want a one trick pony, right? You want somebody that can do machine learning and they have multiple types of modeling and deep, maybe some deep learning and natural language processing and all of these kind of modern tools that then allow a company, um, a partner to, to actually leverage those in a way that it makes it easy and very quick for you to solve the problem that you're trying to solve. And so I think it's, you know, not being a mile wide and an inch deep, but but really focused in the space, really deep knowledge um, is is really what allows us, I think, to move forward in a in a much more positive way in terms of solving supply chain problems. Excellent point. All right. So Greg, I'm going to toss it over to you in just a second. I got to share a couple of quick comments here. Jose, great to have you here. Uh, you're touched on something we're going to touch on in just a second. Jose is urgently doing his own AI on Excel, of course, he says. Yeah. And you're you're all hitting <laughs> on the right points, everyone. Excellent. Actual point. intelligence, right? That's not artificial. <laughs> right. Uh, sometimes you forget that. Oh, <laughs> it's hard to impart that into Excel, right? It really is. Yeah. Uh, Although I've worked with some folks that were bound and termed to do just that. Um, all right. So we're, we're, we're really wallowing in the Excel. That was where I was. There it is. Hey. Um, Nat Natalie says, good points. Those creating the new tech need to be talking with the current users more. I'm not an expert in AI, but I'm highly skilled in Excel. It's the path of least resistance rather than learning something new. That's a great point. That's a risk hey, to somebody's new. Yep. I Go do ahead. think, Scott, though, that's a reason, like when you look at a company like Veris, then you have two people like Melissa and I, right, on the leadership team that we have, we've done the jobs, like we've, right. we've lived it. We, we've had the late nights and the phone calls and the post-it notes and the emails and, um, and waiting like, through Excel. As and we've waited like, mm. or waddled as it were. <laughs> I probably, I probably yeah. more waddled through it, but yeah, yes. so we've definitely spent plenty of time there. Yeah. Uh, all right. So. Greg, yeah, I just think th to that to that last point, I think it's important to understand that yes, the knowledge that that people have of how they of why they do things, not how they do things in Excel or how or why they do things in their current process, that's critical. And I think where a lot of companies when they engage technology providers or even other solution providers like consultants, they say this is how we do it. And that doesn't matter. It's it's easy to wallow in how you do it, and but the the point is, you want to get to why you do it. What's the goal that we're trying to accomplish? And if you can impart someone with the skills that Christine and Melissa have, with the here's where we want to get to, 
let them figure out the how you get there. Some of it will align with the way you do things today. Some of it will diverge from the way thing you use thing you do things today. And some of it will impart some of the knowledge and the methodologies that you use to do things today. And that's a critical thing. So many companies, the reason that their technology fails them in so many cases is their own fault by trying buying a hundred million dollars worth of technology and trying to make it do the process the way they've done it manually. And, and, and with uh, historical, to Melissa's point, historical considerations, this is the data we had when we bought this system. Now we have new data. We, we try to like jam this new data into an old process and you really need to evolve the process with the presence of new data and, and new processes and frankly, new, new expectations in the marketplace. There's no place for us to hide in supply chain anymore. So we have to take greater responsibility and recognize the sort of higher purpose. Yes. I love that word purpose. I love that you mentioned it. I love that Christine's mentioned. It. I think Melissa fitted in because uh, that's, that's what it's all about. And that's what top talent want to be part of, too. Right. Um, a purpose driven operation, a purpose driven organization. OK, so speaking of uh, Greg, I want to shift gears over and we're going to be talking about Verison a little bit more to kind of maybe level set with folks. Where are we going next, Greg? Well, OK, so first a disclaimer. Um, I'm an investor and advisor to Verison, but that was after I discovered miracles that this solution can provide. So so with that all said, I want everyone to understand these answers, these questions I know the answers to, and the <laughs> answers are not for me. They're for you out there in TV land. Right? Out there in TV so, land. I love it. He's going to correct us if Melissa uh, and I don't. Right. Oh, Chris, I don't know the pressure. I don't know what that is. Advisor knows this much. You guys know it all the way down to the ground level. Um, so you are talking about materials, right? And the complexity in managing materials specific to MRO and indirect materials, however people classify those. But you're also, I hear, you're also investing in solutions for direct materials too. So what are, the, what are the capabilities that are really required to tackle those various areas of the business? Oh, sorry. Let's start with Melissa first. We'll get <laughs> well, the Greg geeky is, answer first. Melissa. All right. Yeah. Well, as head of customer, I got to start with it's UI UX, right? So I think the customer experience is so important on any type of technology. If it's not intuitive and easy to use, quite frankly, we found people just won't use it, right? Yeah. And so then you spent money on a on a solution that sits on the shelf and other people work around it so so that to me is, is probably the top thing hey it's it's just got to be intuitive friendly to use and people have to and, and well i'm going to say enjoy but you know like being like working with the platform mm. um the second thing that i think is really important with the with the pace of things that are changing you have to have the ability to pull data in quickly right so that the days of having quarterly updates in your data are gone Monthly is probably the lowest bar that you can possibly live with, and we got to shoot for faster. So that leads you more to you know cloud solutions where I can update data quickly. I, I, it can change with my with my business. I can get really fresh and and good uh, technical insights. I think that's critical. And obviously, the security you get with the cloud is 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 I'm going to add as key in that as well. It could be a whole nother show, right? But mm, yeah, uh, I, yeah, and I think that to that point. I don't think people have necessarily understood cloud. I think they understand it a lot better than they did when we introduced mm -hmm. it at our company in 2011. Um, 
and they probably understand it better than I did then also. But the power, <laughs> the sheer power that that provides, right? Imagine instead of a server sitting in, in a dark office in your, in your, in your office, you, you have, you know, you have thousands, hundreds of thousands of computers that can process all this complex data using the techniques ML um, and, and AI that we've talked about. And until now, and that's why a lot of today's solutions haven't been able to attack the problem is because of that. Until now, they operated on premise with as big of a whatever type mainframe or AS400 people have mentioned here that you could afford. And that really that's limited right. your ability to do things, right? That's right. So, I, that's great, Melissa. Thank you. Christine, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, I think there's a couple of things fundamentally that you have to look for, um, and it's definitely things that we've kind of built into our application. And and I think first and foremost, you got to give, you got to have visibility, right? Like just bring the data together, make it visible, break down those silos. And then once you've made it visible, then I do think it's applying those advanced technologies that we've talked about. So artificial intelligence, uh, maybe, you know, a lot of people start with rules-based modeling. We've actually right. advanced to probabilistic modeling, which is much more agile, flexible, provides better results. Um, it's optimization. It's delivering insights contextually. So that gets into why do you want a purpose-built solution? Why do you want to make sure that that partner really understands your space? Because they can't provide context to the data if they don't, right? Um, I think the other, you know, kind of recommendation or capability that we think is really important is working with a partner that's already made that data science investment. If you try to hire data scientists to do this, right, you're looking at a considerable amount of expense. They're in high demand. Mm -hmm. Then you have to train somebody in what it is you do, what's important to your business. And then you're still looking at months and months and months of collecting data, training models, trying to get, you know, kind of to the best, um, to the best place you can be. And then, you know, I think finally it's, you know, for us, yes, you want it to be configurable. Um, but if it has to be customized, then we probably were too broad and we weren't doing it right right? Mm. Um, we should be able to deliver insights, have built-in reporting, built-in analytics, built-in dashboards. And, and that's what really gives you that very, very fast time to value. We're not talking a year, two years, right? We're talking right. weeks and months. Mm. Well said. Hey, Greg, before we move forward yes, with Scott. this conversation, we've had a flurry of, of comments and a lot of questions we're not going yeah, to get to. But hey, we're going to try to you know post- this conversation here today, maybe I bet Christine and Melissa love talking shop uh, over a cup of coffee or a frosty <laughs> beverage. Melissa, I can't remember the name of the whiskey that you prefer. My apologies, but Uncle hey, nearest, Uncle nearest. Thank you very much. Um, so a lot of people prefer it. So she's going to get a lot of interest. <laughs> I'm just saying, a lot of good company. The yeah. um, the founder of National Supply Chain Day, uh -huh. Mary Kate Love, uh, just joining in, and she says that this is a dream team on the live stream. Hey, how about that? How about uh, being called that by the founder of National Supply Chain? Right? <laughs> that is right. Uh, Peter Bole, all night and all day. Hey, Peter, hope this finds you well. A live stream without you isn't the same. Uh, great to see you. 
Uh, let's see here. I want to also want to get to uh, Michael Jones. Great to see you, Michael. The more you automate on bad processes, the faster you get in trouble. How Just start swirling true. the drain faster Sounds and like faster? That. Exactly. I'd be and the truth. experience on that one, right, <laughs> <laughs> right Melissa? Michael will let you uh, do tell. Uh, T squared says definitely means UAT will be prevalent with new systems introduction. And then finally from Jesse. Uh, the current supply chain has been so reactive due to the market impacts that having updates, even at a monthly basis, puts a company at a disadvantage. True. Lots of head True. nods there. 100%. Yeah. Okay. So, Greg, uh, man, a lively crowd here today. Where are we going next with Christina Melissa? So, I can almost hear the discussion behind the scenes as people watch this and they're like, okay, well, you know, we built. We built Excel to tackle this problem. Why couldn't we build our own system to tackle this problem, right? The big trade-off that I think um, co uh, functional and very focused technology solutions have always faced is the buy versus the build um, uh, issue. So I think that sounds great in practice. You both have addressed points that I think you could laser point at, at uh, why you would or wouldn't do that. But why can't you, or maybe why shouldn't you build a solution internally for your company? Christine, I, I'm going to just light the candle and let you take it from there. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we talked about some of it already, which is just if you are trying to build it internally, it's super costly, um, very time consuming. And unfortunately, what we see is a lot of people will take a project approach. And like I said, projects have a beginning and an end. And then, so you kind of clean some stuff up, you're, you're moving in a more positive direction, but then everybody pulls off and things right. start to erode again, right? So I think that's one thing. I definitely do not think you can take a project approach to solving these supply and material complexity issues. Um, so let's say you try to actually build a platform similar to what we have. I, I mean, you're, it's a huge investment. And I think the 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 issue with that is also is this is this really where you want to make that investment, right? Like we have a purpose-built solution. It solves this problem. If I was running a company and I was going to make this investment, I would put it into areas that really require a better, like an understanding of the intricacies of my business. And generally that means the customer side, not the supply side, right? Um you know, supply side is complicated because we don't have the right tools, right. but in terms of the motion of, you know, understanding what you need and how you buy, we understand that consumer yep. behavior is really, I think, a better place to make those kind of um, big investments. And then partnering with somebody like Verison to solve this kind of purpose functional area um, is a way to get that bang for your buck. Um, without the time commitment, the cost commitment, so on and so forth. Two things are always true about internal builds. One, you get one company's perspective, and usually it's focused on a problem that they want solved. And it's usually, as we talked about earlier, from the perspective of how that company has always solved it, just to Michael's point, taking that bad process and doing it faster. And, and secondarily, there is never a phase two, <laughs> right? Like, like you said, Christine, they build the core solution. They plan all this stuff for phase two. I, the first time I heard somebody say that when they were building an internal solution, they said, well, we'll push this off to phase two. 
somebody had the boldness to say in a meeting with all the executives, there is never a phase two. Phase two will never happen. (laughs) Haven't you seen this movie before? There are no second chapters. Right. Um, Right. So, Melissa, I I know you get to see this firsthand a lot, both, right, from all the... Yeah. I I know I can feel your pain as you're you're discussing (laughs) some of this, but now you're solving those pains for people. So give us an idea of kind of what you're seeing from that standpoint. Why? Why wouldn't you just build it? Yeah, that's um, that's a great question, actually. And I, you know, I'm going to give, I'm going to go back to the nerdy side of the forest here again and go. It's it's the data, right? It's it's it it takes so much data to train the AI in a really meaningful way to give you those really cool insights. It's it's impossible to get that at a corporate level, right? You have to be at an industry level. And the beauty of Verison is not only do we give you your industry, but we give you lots of other industry data. Right as well. So now you have that uh, that network effect is what we call it, right? Of having the aggregated knowledge across all these different places that roll up that are under the covers, if you will, that are, are leading to the insights in your data. And I think that's really the the magic sauce. And not to mention there there are plenty of phase twos in our house, right? It's constantly evolving platform. So it's right. it's only going to get better. Yeah. So I'm going to stick with you here, uh, Melissa, in just a second. I'm going to add in a couple of comments here. Rhonda says, hey, I feel like I need to ask my team about the continued process of developing technology platforms. We have several proprietary systems in place that are still working out the glitches. Don't we all, Dr. Rhonda? Don't we all? And, and those uh, glitches yes. keep you from ever really advancing the technology. Right? Yes. Well said. I love when Greg says, I got two things. You better get your popcorn diet coke, folks, because it's gonna be good. Uh, Crawford says phase two is twelve years later when they buy the tool they should have bought in phase one. <laughs> exactly. Crawford, own the money, own the money. I wish I had exactly. a uh, a stop rocket uh, uh, icon I could drop in the comments here. Okay, <laughs> so <laughs> so Melissa, uh, nicknames are too fun and so much of a dad joke, but hey, it's true. It's a lot of fun. All right, so Melissa, let's get if you would. Uh, some practical examples of where Veris, and you've already, both of y'all have kind of alluded to it a couple of times, mentioned a few things, but what else would you like to add when it comes of, of how Veris is helping customers out there? Yeah, thanks. If, if I don't have an answer to this as head of customer, I probably should just leave the show now, right? So <laughs> <laughs> Exit stage right. That's right. Um, you know, I'm going to highlight three areas I think I see that our customers gain a lot of value from the tool. The first is um, going back to the very beginning of the show when we talked about aggregating all that disparate data. Having all that data together on, in one place where you can see it and wrap your arms around, hey, this is what I have, is incredibly valuable, especially when you have a team that's in charge of optimizing inventory, right? That's, um, uh, it sounds simple, but it, it's actually not. And I've worked in several companies where I'm trying to pull data out of, I can think of at least five different systems to try to get myself that aggregate view. And I would have, I would have been very grateful for a place where I could just click on a dashboard and see it all right there. Um, and then leading into that is is having, I'm going to call it all the relevant information on one pane of glass. So the, the my life that I lived in both as an engineer and, and when I was in the um, in the planning teams where there's that, I'm, I'm going to call it that that clash of incentives, right, or that natural friction on the corporate level. I want to optimize and reduce my working capital at the site level. I just want to keep my assets running mm. and I, I and I'm, I want, I'll keep a million spare parts as long as my assets run, right? And then how, how do you get those two people aligned on the same page can be really difficult. 
And what we found is by having, I'm going to say, trusted information, everything you need to make a decision. And by everything, I'm talking about, hey, what's on hand? Here are your stock levels. Here's what you've issued. Here are your lead times. Where, where everyone can go in and look at it and understand the same thing, that leads to really quicker, faster, better decisions that are aligned across the company. And that allows you to, to implement those recommendations at a much faster pace. Um, an example I'll throw out there is we identified $100 million of optimization opportunities for one of our larger global companies, and they were able to, to run through those in, in four months. So when we say four it's months. a quick time to value, yeah, yeah it's, it's amazingly fast when you, when you have all the information in one place. And then so- the... Um, there's still time to take action this year and, and have bottom line <laughs> yes, returns, right? Yeah, let's yes, do it. That's right. It's a very quick implementation and yeah, a very, very fast time to value. So you're going to add, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off there. I, yeah. We always love talking timeframes because I think some folks, they can get caught up in uh, some of the topics and themes and, and kind of nature situation and think, oh man, it's a mountain too tall to climb. Uh, mm-hmm. But this is a quick, this is, this is quick. Um, so Melissa, you're going to share one more thing there. I didn't mean to cut you off. Yeah, no worries, Scott. Um, the last thing I was just going to say, which, um, has been really relevant in this time when most people are in an oversold situation is that I'm going to call it downtime insurance. So we have, um, a use case where one of our customers had an asset go down. They went into their storeroom, didn't have the spare part, called the vendor several months of lead time before they could get another spare part. Wow. Hopped into Veriston, did a quick search, found the same part at a sister location, overnighted it. And the downtime wasn't a matter of hours versus a matter of weeks, right? Wow. So that's so valuable in this time when, when people need to really have those robust supply chains. And what Excellent. Melissa didn't mention is that they made phone calls to their sister facilities and their sister facility said, no, we don't have that because they were looking like for the exact item. Mm-hmm. And that's one of those, when we talk about natural language processing, natural language query, um, it's that ability to kind of understand kind of at a fuzzy level, oh, that it kind of looks like this. And then you you bring that forward and a person gets to say, oh, yeah, you're right. These are the same. Right. Mm-hmm. And, right. and that is that is so lacking. It, it, quite frankly, if you haven't bought your solution in the last several years, it probably didn't have that in it. Um, you know, regardless of how much money you spent on it, I'm sorry to tell you that. But, <laughs> yeah. Sorry. Well, yeah. you know, sorry, not sorry. sorry. Say, yeah. <laughs> so, you know. In in my um, you know, one of the phrases I know you like talking about is a material truth. It's like ding ding ding, title fight in this corner, it's supply chain as usual. And in this corner, it's the champion, the material truth. I can almost see it playing out the title <laughs> card in my mind. Man, um, Greg, I know you're that with would me make there. a great like silk, like oh, fighting yeah. jacket. Of Absolutely. Course. Yes. Title belt, the whole nine yards. Ideas, Christine. Ideas. I know we might have to put Scott on the on the marketing team. He's got, he's got no, some good no, ideas no. We t- we have you know we've known and have seen the Verison team grow f- for quite some time. And I tell you, to see the t- talent here and folks in the comments and just in general, it's amazing the journey y'all have been on and the impact you're having. With that said, Christine, I'll give you a chance to co- any other comments around some things you're doing. Greg, I'm gonna give you a chance to weigh yeah. in. And then we're going to move to a couple of quick resources as we come around the turn, come down the home stretch. Christine. Yeah, I mean, I think it's important to kind of highlight from the Verison perspective, we really have kind of four key value drivers for 
our purpose-built supply chain intelligence platform. And the first is really enterprise sustainability. And that really is because we're bringing all this data together, because we're serving it up to you in a really easy to digest um, means, you can reduce risk, you can increase your operational resiliency. Um, the second pillar is really around inventory optimization. So now that I have all this data, I can apply these advanced techniques and I can start to make recommendations for, well, maybe based on you know, what's happening in your business, you should keep more of this and, and less of this. And, or maybe we, we might tell you that, oh, we identified that these two things were very similar and you only need to keep one of them. I think the next part of that is really network optimization. It's great to do that in a single facility, but when you can actually aggregate across all of your facilities, get that global search that um, Melissa was talking about and start to actually aggregate the spend, um, maybe make better choices about where you're going to stock a key item. And then, you know, kind of foundationally, just the insights and the data management, procurement insights, supplier insights, um, you know, really bringing forward trends and and letting you understand what's happening with your data. Because, you know, like I, I've worked in manufacturing for 20 years. And if we were lucky, we did like a master data review once a year. And we would be like, oh, you mean the lead time's no longer four weeks, it's six weeks, right? Or And so we we now we understood why we were always expediting that material. I think that's the beauty of a solution like ours that you know, builds that agility and, and is constantly looking at that data, you're not sitting around waiting for mm. there to be a problem. Greg? Yeah, preemptive, right? That's, I mean, that's the most important thing about this solution. I think the other is that it's a, it's a low friction technology because you don't have to do a data cleanse. You can say this equals that, mm. right? And you can do that intellectually or the technology can do that for you with fault, with a artificial intelligence, right? Um, because the technology is constantly learning that this is a, is a derivative of that, or it's exactly the same thing, just with different names, because we bought this company, we bought this plant from that company and that plant from this other company, but it's exactly the same product. So I think it, the, the huge hurdle that people, per, companies perceive in terms of data cleanse, which is a never ending project, a never, almost never successful project because it is so never ending because that this technology can, can first of all, enable you to not need that and then continually learn to better and better classify items as similar, the same, interchangeable, whatever. Um, it, it just means that you, like Melissa is talking about, that's why you can do this implementation in weeks or months, not years. And, and get the same and much better results much, much more quickly. So there are some really cool technologies in here, which is why investors are, and of course, clients are really interested in this product. So yes. um, it just, com they completely have changed the perspective on how to tackle this problem. Love it. Got a need for speed as the market is saying over and over again, right this minute, even though uh, the, the uh, well, I'll save that uh, Thunderbirds versus, a Blue Angels discussion for a later show with Kevin yeah. Jackson. Don't do it, and don't um, do it while Kevin's on the show. Uh, no. the POC for the Blue Angels when really Christine like when it came to Evansville. Yeah, I was on the 
board for the air show. So I have a oh, well, We have on. to introduce you to Kevin Jackson then. Yes, yeah, right. We're going to have to talk. <laughs> Melissa and Christine, we're going to talk a lot more uh, okay, about right. our military experiences. But let's, um, we're coming down the home stretch um, beyond connecting with Christine and Melissa, which we're going to touch on in just a second. We've got a couple of resources that the team's going to drop in the comments. The first is a, a really a simple comparison that kind of lays it out between legacy approaches and, and how Verison does it. So uh, look for that link to be dropped here shortly. And then the second one, uh, if I can tee this up with my best um, with my best Motown voice here, let me see if I can do it. So this white paper on elevating digital transformation, because folks, let's face it, there truly ain't no mountain high enough when it comes to elevating your digital transformation. Greg, back me up there. Can you sing nice. it? Can you hear it? Can you sing it? I, 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 I listened to it this weekend, as a matter of fact. Yeah. <laughs> ain't no mountain. All right, I'll leave it there. Yeah. Uh, but y'all check Andy out the Burrell link. and Marvin Gaye, of course. <laughs> so, but I, we got an image there. Uh, Christine or Melissa, maybe Christine, really quick. You know, this is this white paper is chock full of uh, factoids from a variety of third parties. It also gives some more great recommendations. What's what's one reason, Christine, folks should you know take a minute and download this white paper, you think? Well, I mean, I think the, the MRO space in general is kind of overlooked. There hasn't been a lot of innovation there. And so we're really saying, yes, you need to be on an intelligence journey. That's how you're going to mature your supply chain and, and kind of get to nirvana, right? Um, but we recommend that you really start um, and are experimenting in that MRO space because it's a little less risky than starting kind of in the direct material space or in the customer space. Um, so there's a there's a lot of good reasons to start with MRO. Excellent point. And I think uh, mm -hmm. I saw on social, Greg, uh, everyone's got a different starting point. It's not like Monopoly where everyone starts in the go square, right? Uh, right. And I, I love how you got to kind of really assess where you are and find that really practical starting point. And I really appreciate the um, the been there, done that perspective that Christine and Melissa both offers up here. Uh, Greg, before we make sure folks know how to connect with our esteemed panel or as Mary Kate Love, the one and only says the dream team here. Greg, what else would you add uh, when it comes to starting points and, and you know finding that footing and really you know, it's not about just one site, as Christine and Melissa has spoken about, you know, improving how they do it. It's that force multiplier effect going across the enterprise, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's there's a lot more coming from Verison, of course, uh, in regards to trusted suppliers and, and entire networks. And we've talked a lot about supply as a network rather than a chain these days. There's a lot more coming there. But I think what's important about what um, we're doing at at Verison is that the principles on which uh, Verison is is founded are are well established in terms of finished goods. Finished goods have always worked for inventory optimizations. The margins have been um, low and the volumes have been low, and that mm. requires a ton of science to be to be effective enough. And what they're doing is they're pushing those proven principles up the supply chain to direct and ultimately to MRO. And everything, by the way, starts with MRO, which is another good reason to do it because it doesn't matter what your direct materials are, which are the ingredients or whatever of your product, if you can't build the damn things. So you have to be able to build the stuff first, right? Um, and and um, I, I think when you start to apply those advanced principles to solutions like that, and you do the data cleansing that we're talking about, and then you expand that to your supplier network, which we talk about all the time, 
it's an incredibly valuable uh, and impactful solution. So, and again, a very low lift, right? right. Just, right. just get started by get plowing that data in there. <laughs> you know, I, I spent uh, years ago, I had a chance to spend three or four days with a MRO spares maintenance team with a regional airline uh, air carrier. And it's fascinating just um, how, how much is a, as an air traveler in, in that example that we all just take for granted and how much is our yeah. blind spot in terms of complexity to keep these uh, aircraft uh, up in the air uh, safely uh, with all, especially as, as we enter summer season, this is prime season, right? Um, and would we feel safe if we knew that all that was being managed on, on a spreadsheet? Ooh, Greg, <laughs> nice spike in the football, man. Okay. Seriously. Well, so let's make sure folks, I said football, Christine, of course, a huge, massive, uh, Cincinnati Bengals fan. I look forward to what the Bengals are going to be doing coming up. Um, let's make sure folks know how to connect with both you and Melissa. Talk supply chain, talk football, uh, you name it. Christine, how can folks connect with you? I think the easiest way to connect with me is probably LinkedIn. I'm on it at least once a day. Happy to accept your your invite. Um, always happy to communicate, you know, via message and whatnot there. Easy. It's just that easy. I think we got the link to Christine's LinkedIn uh, profile in the comments along with Melissa's. And Melissa, how can folks connect with you? Same, same. Uh, LinkedIn is probably the best way. I'm Atlanta Falcons fan, so I probably prefer not to talk about football, but uh, I will do it before. <laughs> and yeah. she's going to have a lot of time on her hands during oh, the playoffs. So. Gosh. So sorry, I'm Melissa. not going to be busy during playoffs this year, no. Yeah. Well, you know, uh, we talk a lot about, not in this conversation, but other conversations about supply chain, digital transformation, and how it can take years on end. You know, a lot of companies talk about how much they can lose. Well, football transformation uh, for the Atlanta Falcons might be it might be a decade long proposition. I don't know. I'm not a pessimist <laughs> by nature, but Melissa, I feel you as a bandwagon Falcons fan. Okay, so big thanks to Christine and Melissa with uh, Verison. Really appreciate y'all's time here today. Greg, don't go anywhere. We're gonna wrap in just a second. Um, Greg, I'm gonna give you the last word, but big thanks again, Christine Barnhart. Melissa Dietz, both with Verison. Be sure to connect with LinkedIn. Greg, how great, how much fun was this conversation, including your football spike there at the end? Well, it is good because, you know, I usually only get to see even this company at the very highest level. And it's good to see these, these two ladies are the people with their hands in the mix, making sure that what we say in the ivory tower gets delivered on the desktop to the, to the customers. And it's getting delivered in spades. I mean, the millions and tens of millions of dollars of of value created by this product. Well, it's that's just per client. I mean, it's way more than that. Is really, really impressive. And frankly, why I, I got involved in it, Scott. You know, I'm very bored, easily bored. And so it's got to be something exciting and impactful for for me to want to be involved in it. I see so much more that's coming, but most importantly. And, and look, I would encourage you, whether it's Verison, if you can't get help with Verison, get help somewhere. Yes. But I would encourage you, whether it's Verison or somewhere else, to stop thinking about replacing your ERP and start looking at targeted solutions. There is literally one out there for everything you want to do. And you want something that is a low lift from a data and from a consumer and from, an, or from a, a, a user, customer, client, and from a, an implementation um, standpoint, because those solutions deliver, they deliver quickly and sustainably, which is something the sustainable 
ability of, or what should I say, the maintainability of the results you get from a home built or a, an Excel spreadsheet or right. Google Docs, whatever the heck else. All those abilities. What, n- notes, if anyone remembers Lotus, um, <laughs> right, that you get from that, they're simply not maintainable. And, uh, and we can't afford in the practice, in the craft of supply chain today, to have something that doesn't grow with the, the recognition of complexity that we have in the supply chain today, because there is nowhere to hide. Mm. The consumers know whose fault it is that something didn't get into their inbox, right into their mailbox or on their front step. So there's no, no place hiding. to hide. You can't afford to lean on plausible deniability anymore. And this is exactly the kind of solution that allows you to enable your business to never have to. Folks, there's no hiding nor crying in global supply chain <laughs> these true. days. And by the way, learn something new. Natalie's a fellow Bengals fan. So Natalie, you and Christine will have to compare notes. Uh, thanks to all the great comments. There are so many we couldn't get to in the skyboxes here today. Thanks for joining us here today. Big thanks to Christine and Melissa, the whole production team as well. It makes it happen. Greg, always a pleasure to have these conversations with you. But folks, whatever you do and however this hits you, whether it's operationally, whether it's uh, in, a, in a more of a human uh, fashion, society fashion, but whatever you do. Hey, Scott Luton, Greg White challenging you to do good, to give forward, but be the change that's needed. And on that note, we'll see you next time right back here on Supply Chain Now. Thanks, everybody. Thanks for being a part of our Supply Chain Now community. Check out all of our programming at SupplyChainNow.com and make sure you subscribe to Supply Chain Now anywhere you listen to podcasts and follow us on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, and Instagram. See you next time on Supply Chain Now. Supply Chain Now.